Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Aviation is still one of the number one targets of interest on the part of terrorist groups and and individuals. After liquid and laptop bans on planes in early 2017, it's clear a new twist on a very dangerous threat has emerged. Terrorists are competing for supremacy in aviation terror attacks. And the person who arguably knows as much about it as anyone else, the former head of TSA, Peter Neffinger, joins Target USA to tell us the danger is not going away anytime soon. It says something about you as a, as a terrorist group if you're able to get through all the uh, systems designed to prevent damage. And the terrorists are getting better and better at building the explosives and their tactics for deploying them. The details coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Since the 9-11 attacks and years of failed plots to bring down passenger airplanes, terrorists had a huge success in October of 2015 in Egypt. This morning, U.S. intelligence sources tell CBS News a missile or rocket-propelled grenade likely did not bring down the Russian jetliner over Egypt. They are not, though, ruling out a bomb inside the plane. The disaster on Saturday killed all 224 people on board. When Metro Jet Flight 9268 disintegrated and crashed in pieces over the northern Sinai region, it was obvious they had figured out a way to bring down a major airline once again. A few months later, on February 2nd, 2016, terrorists almost succeeded in bringing down another. There we go. Bus. Dallo. The Dallo Airlines flight over Somalia. A terrorist was blown out of the airplane after bringing a laptop aboard and detonating a bomb inside. Fortunately, everyone else survived. Terrorists are competing for supremacy in terror attacks, especially attacks on aviation. Whether it's ISIS, AQAP, or other up-and-coming terror groups, they all have master bomb makers and access to extensive knowledge bases that make the terrorist threat to airplanes, specifically those flying to the U.S., more dangerous than ever. Peter Neffinger, former head of the TSA, tells Target USA... These terrorist groups never sleep, and there are more potential threats out there than ever before. We spoke to him in early March of 2017, but before we get to that, let's go back to early February of 2015, the same day that Dallow Airlines flight in Mogadishu crashed. I, I think it's really uh, it's complex and dynamic in that you have a number of different uh, very prominent uh, groups that have expressed a desire to attack Western interests. Uh, you also have a number of groups that have expressed a desire to attack Western aviation. Uh, what makes it what makes it 
dynamic is that those groups are moving, whether you're talking about um, ISIL, uh, Al-Qaeda, core Al-Qaeda, or the splinter groups that have attached themselves respectively to one or the two of those, those primary groups. Uh, there's a little bit of a competition out there, and, and that competition means that, that, that the environment is a little more uncertain than it was before. And, and as we look at things like the uh, Metrojet incident in, over the Sinai, uh, we still don't have full details on, on, on what that was, but, but we proceed on the assumption uh, that it was um, um, uh, a device implanted on that plane uh, to blow it up. Uh, it just tells us that, the, that, that there, are, there are more potential threats out there than there might have been in the past. So now, fast forward to today, March 10th. <clears throat> so now, fast forward to today. March 10th, 2017, we're talking in the studio with former TSA Administrator Peter Neffinger. Good morning. Thank you for joining us and welcome. Morning, JJ. Thanks for inviting me. So, first question, where are we now when it comes to aviation security, especially in the U.S.? Well, the... You know, I've, I've been out for about a month and a half now, but I can tell you that uh, that aviation is still, for many reasons, uh, one of the number one, you know, in, targets of interest on the part of individuals, terrorist groups and, and individuals who are aligned. You know, I think it's uh, there's a spectacular nature to to attacking the aviation. First of all, uh, it says something about you as a as a terrorist group if you're able to get through the all the uh, um, systems designed to prevent damage. Uh, it also has a huge psychological impact and a very large economic impact. So I just think that it's, um, it, it will always and forever be an interesting target because of, the, um, because of the, the, the psychology of an attack on the aviation system as well as the, um, the potential for, for uh, damage to the economy. Do you get the sense that the U.S. aviation system is, pardon the phrase, the holy grail for terrorist groups if they can attack the U.S. aviation system. Well, I think they're focused on Western, Western. countries, uh, and and uh, I mean we know that they're still focused on on the U.S., but I think they're focused on on the West because that well, that tends to be um, the you know in, in their minds that's the that's the target you know our Western values and and, and the Western world. So we've heard a lot about technology and their ability to do things they weren't able to do before. Um, where do you think the terrorist technology? Uh, push stands right now, and the, how much risk is, does that increase or, or create? Well, I think that uh, you know, like terrorists evolve too. You know, one of the things we used to I used to talk about with um, with uh, my staff at TSA, I said, look, remember that you know you have a thinking enemy and an evolving enemy, and the enemy isn't static, so we can't be static. So the the key was to try to evolve, um, have your evolution loop inside. The, you know, the enemy's evolution loop, so you stay ahead of them and to evolve at the, at the speed of threat or faster than the speed of threat, if you will. But you think about what is it, what is it that we're seeing on, on the part of terrorist groups. One, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're using um, cyber technology more effectively. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're trying to get their hands on uh, the types of equipment that, um, that we all use to protect ourselves. Uh, they're looking to subvert insiders uh, to their purposes. Uh, they're looking for ways to insert themselves into systems. The same thing that an enemy always tries to do. How can I, how can I get around that thing that is keeping me from getting to what I want? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you think of all the ways they can do it. There, there, are, there are direct attacks on, 
when I say direct attacks, I mean direct attempts to move through a checkpoint. Mm-hmm. There are direct attacks, all of Brussels or mm-hmm. the Istanbul attacks uh, of the past um, year. There are um, uh, attempts to get things through the uh, through the system yeah. uh, by using insiders and the like. So, and what about the dry runs? Do they still try to do that kind of thing? Like during the Al Qaeda days, uh, there was this big concern that terrorists would uh, conduct test or uh, pinging uh, operations to see how the system would respond. Do today's terrorists still do that? Well, I think you have to, you have to expect that they're trying to do things like that. Uh, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to, I mean, if they're good, it's hard to know that they're doing that. But, uh, but I, I suspect that, um, that, again, any, any determined enemy is going, to, is going to do reconnaissance and surveillance and other things, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that you, that you pay attention to. It's one of the things that a behavioral detection officer pays attention to is, hey, is that guy been standing there taking pictures for the last 20 minutes for a reason, or, or, or should I go talk to that mm-hmm. individual and find out what they're you up know, to? You know, I always want to take pictures when I'm in airports because, frankly, some of the airports in the world are just fascinating to look at. Mm-hmm. But I'm always a little leery about taking pictures in airports because of the attention that I would draw. So what's what's generally the rule amongst uh, transportation security directors around the world, people in your club? How do you view that? Is it, okay, we'll give you a couple, but when you start taking more than a couple, if you, you know, are there certain things you guys, you tell your people to look for? Well, I mean, if you think about it, if uh, if you're standing at the checkpoint taking a bunch of pictures of the checkpoint, then I might I might I might want to come up and say, "Hey, JJ, what what are you what are you doing here? <laughs> how many pictures? How many pictures of a checkpoint? How many do you need?" I mean, and that, but the thing is, is it's not a secret that te- checkpoints are operating, but right. but it and it may be that you just really are fascinated by that, and at some point we'll say, "I think you got enough." But um, and I think what you look for are. are you know, people take pictures of everything, and you don't want to. You don't want to stop that. And nobody's running around saying, "Put your cameras away," but but it's more. Is it is it is the behavior sort of anomalous or out of the ordinary? Yeah. If you're stand, if you're taking a picture of, of of doorways over and over and over again, and you're and and or police officers as they're moving around, that just may that may raise a question mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. And again, it might just get you a couple questions, and you just say, and and you might be a legitimate guy. Saying, yeah. Hey, I'm just doing a story on on. Airports. Yeah. So we were talking about um, terrorist tactics, dry runs, etc. What do you think is the most or biggest threat to U.S. aviation, the U.S. aviation system right now? Well, I don't know that there's a single threat that I could point to. But what I would say is uh, the, the threat is that we know that, uh, going back to what I said before, uh, that terrorist groups and individuals inspired by terrorist groups are are are, are hyper focused on on aviation. Uh, we saw that with the Metrojet uh, disaster over the Sinai uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, with the Dallow Airlines jet coming out of Mogadishu, uh, with the attack in the Brussels airport. Again, that that actually wasn't an attack on an aircraft; that was just an attack in the airport itself. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's not an indication that those guys with the with the suitcase bombs were trying to get through security. Uh, they were just looking to 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 do a lot of damage in the outer part of the airport. So, so that's the first part is just to know that that's a, that that's a focus area. And then, and then what's the nature of the threat? Well, we can just look to what's already happened. Uh, getting an explosive on board an aircraft, uh, carrying an explosive through the public area of the airport and trying to do, um, trying to do damage, uh, simply attacking uh, in, the, in the case of the uh, Istanbul 
attackers. They had small arms and um, and suicide vests uh, mm-hmm. they were going through. So I think it's just it's just creating um, chaos and and and, uh, and 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 violence inside mm-hmm. um, an aviation system. Ideally, mm-hmm. getting something on an aircraft if they can. Mm-hmm. You haven't been out of the office very long, but I want to ask you. Um, how'd you leave the agency when you left it? What, what kind of situation was it in, uh, when you left it? Well, I, so I think, I think we left the agency in, in, in a good place and it's got, it's on a good path forward. I, I call it, uh, finishing sort of a first chapter of a book, if you will. Uh, I think when I got there, as you know, it was in the midst of the, um, uh, the crisis that uh, ensued following the, uh, leak of the inspector general, the DHS inspector general report on, um, in, internal testing of our system. And that report suggested that uh, TSA was not good at doing what it was what it was um, created to do, which is to keep uh, things that shouldn't get past checkpoints from getting past. Uh, so that crisis uh, really uh, called into question, um, you know, the competence of the agency. Uh, and, it, and it really, I think, uh, damaged the agency's reputation. So that was the first challenge was to, was to determine, first of all, how, what had happened uh, and we did a, a pretty deep dive into the root causes of that, uh, and then to and then to get a path forward is to to correct those, uh, and that's what I really focused on during my tenure. And I think by the end of my tenure, we had um, we had gone a long way towards correcting those problems. Uh, we had significantly improved performance across the board, focused intently on the frontline workforce, uh, the the people that. Uh, most people associate with TSA, those officers in uniforms at checkpoints. You talked about a number of things, including um, that Inspector General's report, which really turned a lot of things upside down. But it came at a time when there were some very big concerns about terrorism and very big concerns about safety and security in the airports and in the facilities that you were responsible for. Take us back to what kind of threats you were looking at at that time when that when that whole uh, inspector general situation came up well as you know the, the, the there's sort of this continuum of threats that have been out there for some time now and that's people attempting to get non-metallic explosives uh, onto aircraft uh, either either on people or on in through carry-on baggage or in checked baggage and then there's always the threat that somebody will t- attempt to get a weapon on board a, an aircraft so, so that's been an uh, it's been a continuous and persistent threat since um, actually since be, even before nine eleven, but it really ramped up after nine eleven. Uh, the the there's a very real desire on the part of individuals and terrorist groups, individuals aligned with terrorist groups and terrorist groups themselves, to to get something through a checkpoint onto an aircraft to damage the aircraft. So that was the the biggest concern with respect to the inspector general's findings was that was that that particular aspect of the mission um, TSA had not done as well as it could have and, in fact, had, had, um, had failed in a couple of instances. TSA, under and because of Neffinger's leadership, was able to overcome all of those problems and set the bar a lot higher. But as is the case with any terror threat and terror organization, they're always evolving. And coming up in our next program... Part two of our interview. Please maintain control of your personal belongings. We take a hard look at the problems facing aviation and terrorism in general, and specifically how TSA is faring today. Uh, you know, the report is still classified, so I won't I won't talk specific numbers. They were all out in the open press, but 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 uh, but at a at a 
small handful of airports, the inspector general, red team testers, brought inert dummy explosives and and or um, uh, disabled weapons through uh, a number of checkpoints. And they did so at an alarmingly high rate, according to the leaked report. That's coming up on our next episode of Target USA. Thank you for joining us, and please follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's one word, Tango, Uniform, Sierra, Alpha Podcast. And let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's one word, J, the color green, at WTOP.com. That's whiskey, tango, Oscar, Papa.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk, no action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth, his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share.